0: All the way from Bokota village in Numpopo, South Africa, we bring you Missionary Minds, where you can learn about family, church history, biblical worldview issues, and of course, missions, all from the mind of a real world missionary of almost 20 years. And said I arrived here with a plan. It was to address a different topic, which I hope we do address in future, but we got to talking and you mentioned some emails you were responding to about some discouraged missionaries can you tell us a bit about that story and how you came to know them
1: Uh, i was sent out of bethel baptist church in schaumburg illinois and a man that i had only heard of as uh uh, a, a modern hero his name is Forrest mcphail he was a missionary in cambodia so when i was sent out of bethel baptist church there was only one other, perhaps two other, depending on how you define sending church. There's only one other man who was sent out of Bethel Baptist Church, and that was Forrest McPhail. Forrest was sent to Cambodia. He's about 10 years older than me. And he went to Cambodia, and he and I began emailing each other because of some shared theological um, interests, which we might, you might ask me about because they're very important to the matter of planting churches. But Forrest and I began communicating on email, and then slowly I began to meet his teammates as they came. Uh, I believe he arrived in 2000, maybe, in Cambodia, and I arrived in South Africa in 2004. And then over the years, we've had communication, uh, mainly on email, but I've met with him one time in the U.S. But the other gentlemen in Cambodia and their wives and children, we haven't met. We just, we just speak on email, and we've formed a good fellowship. And we often pray for their ministries and pray for Cambodia.
0: Yeah. And the importance of this conversation today, because these are people who, up until five minutes ago, I hadn't heard about, and our audience hasn't heard about. And the question could come up, why should they care? And I think the, the reason we should care is because these are people at the front lines who are giving their lives for the cause of Christ.
1: Can I can I cut that off? and Maybe sharpen the uh, the arrow a little bit. Yeah. In a sense, you shouldn't care, in that you can't know everyone's names. So forget my name. You don't know me. It's not important. You can forget Forrest McPhail. There's only one name that you should never forget. But remember his name in this sense, if it will help you think who in my church was sent out or who in my sphere of influence. Could I be thinking about, and the kind of way that I talk about Forrest or Chris or Mike Freeze, the kind of way that I talk about Nathan Waldock, as you hear about and think about these godly men who have served, whom you'll probably never know and will probably forget before you go to bed tonight, there are other men that you can be interested in or other women or missionaries and people groups that you can be interested in and not to be interested in. And the reason I think it's important is they're in one of the lesser reached people groups. Uh, many years ago, Forrest decided he wanted to go to one of the uh, people groups in the 1040 window. In case you don't know what the 1040 window is, 10 degrees latitude, 40 degrees longitude, that creates a, a line across the globe. And then you let the, Pacific Oce- uh, the Atlantic Ocean cut it on one side, the Pacific Ocean cut that window on the other side. Suddenly, that forms a square, takes the top of Africa, the bottom uh, of the Middle East, all of the Middle East, right cutting through India, the little bit of China, large part of china. and And that section, that quadrant, holds two thousand people groups. And those people groups make up the least reached people groups in the world. Anywhere from three billion, somewhere around 3 billion people and 2,000 people groups in that least reached window. And those people groups in that 1040 window from, if you're looking at a map, on the left-hand side, it'd be the Atlantic Ocean. On the right-hand side, it's the Pacific Ocean. And then you just take it from North Africa. That's your bottom line. And then right down to the bottom of Europe, there's your, there's your top line. And it forms a little square and that, a large square, and that square is called the 1040 window And inside that block are these unreached people groups. Forrest chose one of them in there, and that's the Khmer people, K-H-M-E-R. It looks like it would be pronounced Khmer, but they've told me it it sounds like Khmer. It's a tonal language, and it's 96% Buddhist in Cambodia. I'm sure if you went to any of the other countries, Laos, Vietnam, Thailand, you can find other language groups. We're going to have some kind of similar statistics, but Khmer people group of Cambodia are 96% Buddhist. Very small percentage would even call themselves Christian, and that would be one of the least reached people groups of the world. And
0: if we're to think of that in
1: perspective,
0: for those who are in Africa or in some parts of America where many people would proclaim to be Christians, we're in a society where if you throw a rock you're likely to hit someone who professes to be a Christian. Now, to imagine the difficulty of being surrounded by Buddhists uh, to a large degree, and Christians to a very small degree, and genuine Christians to a very small degree. Can you talk through some of the complexities there and some of the challenges they've been facing?
1: Well, I'm glad you said the challenges they've been facing. I haven't been facing those particular ones, maybe in a sense I have, but they are facing these challenges, of many years of ministry with very few converts. Uh, For example, one of them told me in an email some
2: time ago that, can you imagine what it's like for your five children to grow up never having gone to church? You know, every four years when you go back to your home country and then they see church
1: buildings and 50 or 80 or 100 or 200 or 400 people and piano players, and songbooks, and then your experience of Christianity day in and day out growing up is you and your dad and mom, sometimes a few Khmer interested visitors will join you on Sunday morning as you read and pray together. That experience with Christianity is going to shape your children very differently, and that experience is going to shape the way you evangelize, and it's going to have it's going to have an effect on your prayers whereby you are constantly open like a man walking on the on the second story or third story or 10th story of a building with no guardrail no rail in front of him he's constantly tempted and even pushed by outside forces like wind or the demons to be tempted to discouragement and faithlessness and prayerlessness why pray Or if I do pray, how can I possibly pray with faith that
2: God would save these people when week after week and year after year I've gone through so few people being interested in the gospel and it's going to be a constant battle chilling you down to your bone
1: and only the power of Christ. Only, Only by the Holy Spirit will you be able to mount up with wings like eagles in a situation like that.
0: Amen. And they've been there for a while we spoke about it a little earlier. You can mention it for our audience. Uh, please talk to us about that. How long they've been there and the challenges with the language that can kind of help us understand a fortitude. Okay, from the Okay, every
1: missionary has been there for different time periods, but I know of five. I know of five in Cambodia. There may, may there may be others. Um, I know of five who've been living in the Khmer people group, and it's a tonal language. A tonal language is going to have many fewer consonants. So there's still consonants because you can't form sounds without a consonant. Um, even the softer consonants like a Y, I, there's a Y sound at the end of that, that um, syllable. So every, every syllable has to have some kind of consonantal structure or consonantal sound or else it can't be defined. But if you hear a tonal language, it's, it would have, for example, and I don't speak Kamai, but as I listen to it online and I listen to some of their videos where they said, Listen to these just to get an idea of what the language sounds like. Sounds like IR. So we would hear very few consonantal sounds in, in a tonal syllables, or a tonal li- in the syllables of a tonal language. But they're going to have to differentiate tonal sounds. So an A might be an A with more air, less air, higher in the register, lower in the register. And you're going to have to learn to differentiate those things just to be able to communicate the gospel. Every language has its difficulties, and every language can be learned because the three-year-olds in the language speak it. So if three-year-old Kamai kitties can speak Kamai, then we can get it too. But oftentimes, sentence structure um, or sound is so difficult that it, it, it is overwhelming when we try to learn those languages.
0: What are some of the challenges that they face with evangelism, and how much fruit have yeah, they enjoyed over the years? Good,
1: good question. As I've talked to the Seawrights or the Freezes um, or the McPhails or others, they've said street preaching is difficult because when, when you're in a city area, people are rushing to their jobs. It's not like the relaxed attitude of a rural area where, for example, I'm going to go tomorrow to preach songhas. When I preach in Bungani, there will be hundreds of people who are having a much more relaxed schedule. They aren't working or they don't work. And when I preach, they're, they can choose and say, "Let me go and hear this man preach." but in a place where you might live in a city, you might have a very small apartment, you might have one room or two rooms, maybe just. One room is the sleeping room, and one room is the living room, so all the people would sleep in the sleeping room together, and then they would live in the living room. Um, and then when you go out to work you go early and you come back late because the longer you're out selling the more you'd be able to come home with maybe more. So if you're in a scenario like that which I just read in one of their prayer letters this morning, uh, Mike freeze's prayer letter uh, because of inflation and because of foolish and evil government policies um, one of their one of the believers is now struggling desperately to keep his little company open and he might have to move to a more populated province to try to find more customers. So it's difficult for them to get together to meet because there aren't Sunday, Sunday isn't honored as a day off or it isn't honored in the same way to allow working people to be able to meet. So when are the people going to be able to meet? And how are they going to be able to meet when they're so exhausted? And wh- what buildings do you even meet in when there aren't uh, church buildings commonly seen? All of those things are difficult for people ministering in the 1040 window. So if you forget these particular missionaries that I'm mentioning, go find your own who live in Bangladesh or Pakistan. Go find your own who are in Saudi Arabia or think of your
2: own in Tunisia or Mali or Cambodia or Laos or Vietnam and get to know those countries. Get a map. Get a map and pray through it with your children. I'm so grateful that my wife, and uh, no, I'm
1: just wandering, but let me wander just a moment longer. You can grab the reins whenever you like. My, I'm so grateful for my wife's curriculum choice in homeschool. One of the years is a geography year, and it's a year of studying all the, lang- all the countries of the world and then getting an overview of the languages and the people groups. And the kids are supposed to take a test naming all the countries that they know at the beginning of the year. And then at the end of the year, they're supposed to know all the countries on the world and be able to name every country on the globe. And they have contests to see who can name it more quickly. And you have to know the flag and the country and the language group, although the language group, not definitely, since there's over 7,000 languages and only 200 or so countries. But you need to be able to name these facts to be able to get an idea of the world. So start doing that to be able to fulfill what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. Every church ought to be praying for all men that they would come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1, and then again in verse 4. Pastors are to lead their churches in praying for people groups. So we've tried to do that in the church plants that we've planted, and I've seen other godly churches in the U.S. and other places that are doing that, and I thank God for them following the statements of 1 Timothy 2. And how have
0: these missionaries managed to Persevere all this time, despite the discouraging amount of fruit.
1: Well, I can't speak for them very thoroughly, but I can say when I get their prayer letters, I, I sign up for about a dozen missionary prayer letters a month, and two I'd like to get out of, but I don't know how to tell them politely. Don't send me anymore. <laughs> but if you're a missionary and you're listening to this, it's unethical to take people's email addresses if you don't have their permission. Um. And secondly, if you write boring prayer letters, uh, shame on you. You're a disservice to all of us, because then people don't want to get prayer letters if they say missionaries prayer letters are boring. So only write when you have something to say, and stop when you don't have anything more interesting to say,
2: please. Uh, But I sign up for about a dozen missionary prayer letters of people that I know, and I read their letters, and I want to know what's happening, and I pray for their ministries. And uh, I try to write a thoughtful response to almost all of their prayer letters, but especially to
1: the letters of those in the 10:40 window. And for example, when I read their letters, I don't open their letters on my email until I know I can give time to read it,
2: and hopefully pray for it, and then send them a a letter in reply because I thought
1: my letter will be better if I sympathize with them. And sympathy takes time. So I want to be able to actually think about who they are, and where they are, and the people there, and what people did they mention in their previous prayer letter. Because it's a story. I know when I sent prayer letters, I'm telling you about Mugabe today, but I, I wrote about Mugabe in the last letter. And if you're a really good reader, if you want to invest in Seth, then... Pay attention when I write about Mugabe so that when you hear his name again, you'll know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Because how else are you going to pray for them with any kind of knowledge? Um, So I try to do that for their prayer letters, but that takes time and that takes emotional energy. And we all only have so much in our bank account of emotional energy. So I wait until a day when I have time to give them the time that it deserves so that when I write a response, I'll write a response that's worth reading. And that I think, what would I like to hear from them? Or what would I like to hear from someone who read my letters? So I tried to give a thoughtful response. And when you ask the question, how do they find strength to go on? My response is, I don't know. But I tried to write and pray in a way that I would be their strength. Because when Kerry went overseas, he said, I'm going to India, but you must hold the ropes. Well, now in a globalized culture, when we can have cell phones and email there's a sense in which we can all hold the ropes for each other and the strongest christian ought to hold the ropes for others by sympathizing and praying and writing so that's something i try to do
0: and that brings us to a very important point and i want to build on that a bit because in our age of convenience things are debit orders that come in on a certain day of the month and you have subscriptions and you put it there, automate it and get it over and done with. And if we mix that in with the saying, you're either going into the field or sending into the field or an imposter, some people approach their sending to the field with the same attitude. Just make it a debit order, let the money go out and I've done my part. Let me move on to the next thing. But you're speaking about being invested in these letters. Could you speak about some of the things that you find encouraging from people who you send your prayer letters to, or people who have some degree of interest in your ministry, that have helped keep keep you going.
1: I want to spur someone on to love and good works, but at the same time, I don't want to put a yoke on you that you nor your fathers could bear. You can't remember everyone, you can't write to every prayer letter, and you can't get involved in every good cause. As I mentioned previously when talking to you, Carney, that the Great Commission was given to the Church. So, it's the whole church's responsibility to take care of all these things, and some are going to be involved in different levels and layers. But, I will say that we all like friendship, and we all long for friendship, and I think friendship is probably the greatest way to—well, maybe not the greatest way, because if you had no money, they might need some money too. But money itself is not enough, and prayer itself is not enough. And good words itself are not enough, but maybe it's there's a trinity of all those. Uh, They they must be supported with spiritual prayer. They must be supported with good words. They must be supported with cash. Um. So ask yourself which one can I do, and then do more because we tend to always make it easier on ourselves than we should. But I would say I'm probably just repeating myself, but uh, pick one and just do it for one guy, because if you pick two or three you'll probably give up. Or maybe pick two, pick two or three and see which one, which one tries. Like, plant three seeds and try for six months to see if, if one of them will grow. <laughs> and then if you try to communicate with a guy and you just find our personalities aren't the same, or he commonly misunderstands me, or the guy just doesn't write back, um, then, then maybe you know, maybe,
2: maybe we'll find one. But I think there are missionaries who would like to write back um, and who would be encouraged with, with letters. So, I've heard Paul tell me, or tell others, uh,
1: just on your computer, put, c- push Control r or if you're on a Mac, Command-R. Just hit Reply, and just send a few lines, um, and then, then you can do that to varying levels. You can do, as I try to do for those to whom I write, I, I have a few letters, and then I read them once a month, but I try to give time to those, and I try to write something like a letter, but it's not always a letter, sometimes it's just one or two lines. But I try to put something back that, would, that the person would be glad when they see my name in their inbox. That's my goal, is that they would say, oh, and they'd want to click on that email. It would pull at them to click on it, because they know whatever he said, he's going to say something encouraging.
0: That's, I can testify to that, because with the letter that my wife and I sent out last month, uh, you replied and... We even got into a little bit of a conversation over the email that turned into some discussion around uh, ministry items. That was the songbooks and all. And so I can testify to the warmth that I feel when I receive responses. And I and I think that's yeah, um, yeah. yeah a good way to encourage missionaries if you're unable to do one of the others. Uh, but a, a way in which you can uh, hold up the hands that are weakening uh, as you're sending out your missionaries. As we draw to a close here, I'd like to ask you if you could mobilize the entire world church towards prayer. What are three grand prayer requests you would ask for missionaries in discouraging situations?
1: Wow, that's a great uh, way. And let me just try to bullet these. Number one is, I would say, find a specific missionary and then pray for them personally. So, find a specific one and pray for them personally. They would not be discouraged. Pray biblical phrases for him from Ephesians 6. I pray that you would be strengthened, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord. Pray that you would be bold because if you're in a discouraged, and that's Ephesians 6.10, and there again is Ephesians 6.19. Pray that you would be bold and open his mouth with boldness to utter the mysteries of the gospel. Because if you're in a discouraging context, that just wears on you to where you think, I can't be bold, I have to wait for providence. Pray that you would be bold. Um, pray that God would send a revival and we've got to pray for revivals. I'm studying in my personal devotions here, the Psalms. There are so many Psalms. I'll give you a couple. Psalm 72, Psalm 96, Psalm 110, Psalm 2. These are Psalms that explicitly prophesy a great revival in the world. Pray for that. I believe that revival will happen after Jesus comes back. But I also believe from James chapter 5 that there's going to be an early and a latter rain. There's a revival that have been happening during the period of the church history, but before our Lord returns, there's going to be another rain. Pray for that. Uh, So pray for revival. And then thirdly, pray a biblical request uh, from any of the prison epistles. Ephesians 1, they would be godly and spiritual. It seems to me that men who are the most spiritual tend to be the best evangelists. So if you pray for your missionaries to be spiritual, it will have a, a spillover effect on the way they speak to sinners.
0: What a treat, Mfundisi. To our audience, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content. Feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered in a future podcast. You can email those questions to Paulslayline at gmail.com. You can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this. I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it from Missionary Minds.